0: what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh.
1: Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on The Mesh Podcast Network, We're a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, what performance metrics are you looking at to monitor your business? We've got a few that you probably haven't thought of. We're going to talk leadership and your small business with Chad Bumgarner, author of Chad's Playbook for Effective Leadership. And we'll we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we're going to highlight some business that you should be checking out. Greetings. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host. I'm the director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry and Technology
2: at Catawba Valley Community College. Jerry, how you doing today? Jeff, doing great. A little warm and a little frazzled because it's the first part of school s- semester, but all's going well.
1: That's right. We're, we're taping this in, uh, in late August uh, in beautiful Hickory, North Carolina uh, at the, uh, uh, the Mesh Studios. And uh, late August, kids are going back to school, so you're juggling a lot of things.
2: Yes, it's a fun time and exciting time, but also it's a little busy trying to make sure everybody gets to the right class at the right time.
1: So, Gary, is there, is, is there one excuse a student has given you for not getting their schedule done? Or, you know, is it the dog ate the schedule? The, you know, what's, is, is there one that stands out?
2: I think I've heard about every possible excuse for not getting to class or not getting registered. And, uh, of course, a lot of times the parents want to find out what's going on, and we have to be careful about that because we want to encourage the student to continue. We don't want them to get upset at home.
1: Now, these days, are the parents attending classes with the students, uh, or or are they actually letting them go themselves once they get to to our college?
2: They're letting them go themselves, but uh, it's the term helicopter. Helicopter parents? Yes, we have some of those, like every school does. And it's really not a bad thing, because they want to make sure their students are uh, off and running successfully, their uh, children. But unfortunately, sometimes they don't know all the things that maybe their students have already learned about, but that's where patience and of course our our goal and role is to make sure we get as many good students running through the school as possible and i'm happy to say our enrollment's up this semester and that's a big deal these days cuz a lot of schools their enrollment has been trending down over the last few years and ours i can say is steadily going up so that's a good thing hopefully that means we're doing something very that's good awesome.
1: Well, good 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 news on that and uh i hope you survive uh, getting uh students in the right place and and uh, classes run on time and and you're a man with much patience and it sounds like it's uh, good good that you have it this time of year
2: and luckily i don't drink alcohol so it's a good thing so and i just drink I, a lot of coca-cola and iced tea
1: i'm I'm trying to change that but you're, 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 <laughs> you're stubborn uh each month we we Try to touch on an article that uh, crosses our desk that we think might be of interest to our readers and our our listeners. And uh, I came across one in Fortune magazine uh, written by Vern Harnish that talks about various performance metrics that new businesses should be looking at if they want to be leaders in their industry. And it caught my eye because it's the sort of performance metrics that are, are not necessarily the traditional performance metrics, such as, you know, what are my sales or, or this or that. So I thought we would uh, share those with our leaders. And you can find us in Fortune Magazine or Fortune.com. Uh, but uh, five crucial performance metrics that you should be thinking about, and it's written by Vern Harnish. Uh, the first one is what he calls your, your no-slash-yes ratio. And when you're first starting a, a business venture, it pays to say yes to everything, whether it be your customers, even those nasty demanding customers, uh, employees, partners, investors. You know, you're you're going to be saying yes a lot. But once you get clear on your strategy, you should turn down more opportunities than you embrace. Aim for a 20-to-1 ratio of no's to yeses, and you'll achieve, achieve the laser focus you need to beat the competition. So, you know, just interesting thing there. You know, you're, you know when you're a new business, you probably say yes a lot, but at some point you got to start saying no. I think
2: it's a very uh, good point because I mean, we do when we're trying to get things going. We want to say yes because we don't want to get somebody turned off. We want to have as many opportunities to get people involved in our business as possible, whatever their involvement, but that also means we're going in a lot of different directions. You can't please everybody, and you are going to get distracted. So I thought it was interesting the twenty to one nos to yeses, but it probably makes sense. Uh, it certainly makes sense from a concept
1: standpoint. Yeah, you know, it's one that I try to do at uh, at my job at the
2: community college. Should I say. I noticed that I, I was no going to make that to, comment to, to you often. So anyway, but I, and I'm used to it. and I'm always trying to say yes. Okay. Uh, the second one is
1: number of meals with influencers. Your most important job as a leader is nurturing relationships with the people who have the most power to make or break your business. Set a weekly goal for the number of breakfasts, coffees, lunch, dinners that you'll have with the top influencers in your field, and you you'll greatly improve your ability to get big things done. So... Something to be thinking about, not your typical metric of, of uh, what most businesses are tracking, but something that new businesses should probably be thinking about of who are the influencers are in their industry or in their town or,
2: or whatnot that can help advance their strategy. Again, I think it makes sense. Uh, you want to get out there and spread the word and get the right people talking to you. And everybody has to eat sometime. Right. and and it makes it a little bit more comfortable and informal i think that helps a lot to get people people are always say, yeah sure i'll go to breakfast or lunch they might not just want a formal meeting yeah and and you
1: know i i, I live by that one. you know I'm, i know who my influencers are i'm having lunch with my wife after we well, take the podcast very important yeah. thing next one he calls it hours in the flow you know and i didn't say what, when he says flow what does that mean but he says stop letting your job get in the way of real work that will add value to your business and put your calendar where your priorities are spend an uninterrupted ninety minutes every day on average or one day a week to get into the flow state and address the biggest constraint you need to hurdle to move your organization forward and With the folks I work with when they're starting a business, we always talk about the difference between working in your business and working on your business. And to me, that sort of feels like that, of you can get dragged into the day-to-day stuff and, and lose the big picture. And, um, you know, you, you know, you got to keep your books up to date and whatnot, but it's it's uh, the big picture stuff that probably help you advance and become an industry leader.
2: Again, I think it makes a lot of sense. We've both been in business, and it works at the college uh, or applies to the college, where we get so bogged down in the day-to-day detail because there's something that we could be doing every minute, but we've got to break away. Otherwise, we're never going to look at the midterm and long-term goals that we're trying to accomplish.
1: Next metric, total brains applied. The reason that most firms get so big is that they have enticed millions of people to give them input and ideas every day, whether through product reviews or posting content. The more brains you enlist inside or outside your company to help you tackle whatever big opportunity or challenge you're facing. Whether by posting a question online, crowdfunding an idea, Indiegogo, or asking for customer reviews, the greater your odds of shaking up your industry. So, you know, the
2: more people you get thinking, you know, take, take input, take feedback wherever you can get. It makes, again, sense. We don't know everything, so we've got to get a lot of different perspectives on what we're trying to do. And uh, Mr. Harnish's
1: last uh, crucial performance metric time spent thinking nothing creative will come out of your efforts if you don't allow your best ideas to incubate follow the lead of Warren Buffett and allow time for quiet reading and thinking every day i recommend devoting at least 1 hour daily to learning as ben franklin did and we should get one of those guys on our podcast ben franklin warren buffett available well where are these guys yeah. can't find time while you're commuting or en route to meetings stay off the phone and listen to a podcast or contemplate what you've been reading. You'll be
2: surprised what comes out of your brain if you give it a rest sometimes. So does this count where I'm watching Family Feud at night, getting the knowledge from a lot of different people, a lot well, of different perspectives?
1: You know, considering um, I'm think, sure the politics that you have to deal with at a large community college, Family Feud might be very appropriate. I, like I don't name. know. I don't know. (laughs) So, uh, anyway, so those are some metrics. You know, we we try to share some things we think might be interesting. Some metrics for you to be thinking about that are a little bit out of the ordinary when it comes to thinking about your business. You know, give some of those a try and maybe you can advance your business and and become more of a leader in your industry. So, very um, good. I like that. So anyway, we're, we're pleased to have a guest with us today. So We're going to welcome our guest, uh, Chad Bumgarner. Uh, Chad, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing pretty good. How about you guys? We're doing, doing good.
1: Great. Chad is president and founder of the CDB Consulting Group. He's a motivational speaker on leadership and team building. He's created his own leadership program called Star University to build high performance teams. He is an author of Chad's playbook to effective leadership. He also serves as co-advisor to the National Society of Leadership and Success Executive Board at Mercer University in Atlanta. And and that's where Chad resides. And uh, he's also a graduate of Catawba Valley Community College and Mercer University. So anyway, we're very very pleased that you can be joining us today, Chad. I hope I, I got your credentials close to correct.
0: You did, and I'm very happy to be here. Thank you, guys, for inviting me on. Well, we're excited that you're with us. So,
1: you, so you've got a book out on effective leadership. Why don't you
0: give us a little bit
1: of background on on how you came up with your book, and and what were some of the the things that led you to write it?
0: Well, the book actually came from a speech that I gave to a the National Society of Leadership and Success a few years back. Uh, there was a new class that was graduating. And the executive board asked me to speak. And so I had an idea of what I wanted to talk about, uh, but I didn't know how to present it. So I was talking with my wife and she asked me to use the story about the, uh, the football team that you were inquiring about. And so as a motivational speaker, you want people to leave your engagement with one or two things that that stuck out so the best way to do that is to take your key points and wrap them inside of a a story so the story was about a conversation that i had with an uh with an older male who remembered this team Uh, and it just so happens to be my father he was a part of this team okay so team really did exist in 1964 65 era they were perfect. They were sixteen and zero, regular season and playoffs, all the way to the championship. And so I'm always in leadership mode mentally. So I'm asking, you know, my dad or this gentleman in the book, you know, what kind of mindset did you guys have to have, and did the coaching staff have, have to have to be perfect? Because we know nowadays, even in the NFL, to be perfect is is virtually It's so hard because of the pressure. And so when he started to talk to me about the certain things that they did and, and, and the conversations that took place between the players and, and the players and the coaches, I started thinking about my my methodology that I put into the book, the star methodology. And so that's what I presented uh, when I spoke to the, the the class of the NSLS class. And I you know, I used my points, the star methodology, in this uh, in this story. And I talked about how the coaches came in. And they set the standard on day one. And I think that's very key, whether it's in athletics, or in school, or in life. Day one, set the standards for what you expect from what you expect from the people you're working with. And give them the standards of what they should expect from you. So everyone is on the same page. It's, to me, it's like leadership one-on-one. Get everybody on the same page. Mm-hmm. So the next is uh, T for teamwork. You know, Every leader is only as good as his or her team. And so you have to incorporate teamwork and make that work for not only the team, but for you uh, as a leader. And of course, the next step is adapt. We all know that as leaders or people of influence or, or authority, that nothing ever goes as planned always. So we have to learn how to adapt. Those that don't learn how to adapt will fail and fall by the wayside every time. So learning how to adapt is very important in leadership. So you know how they say if you if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. So have a plan A, B, and or C, need be. And then the last part is R for relevance. Everything that you're doing, you're trying to obtain a goal, should be relevant to that goal. Every meeting, every phone call, every discussion or conversation should be relevant to the goal. And it's up to the leader to make sure that everyone stays on task. That way you can eliminate, or at least minimize, a lot of the excessive talking and brainstorming and things that don't really matter to the goal that you're trying to obtain. So that's where the, 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 the backdrop came from, and that's how I got the, uh, the methodology to use. And, and I've used that methodology time and time again, and it's very effective.
1: And, and, and backtracking a little bit, my understanding is uh, the football team that I guess your father played on. Is, uh, Indeed. Is, uh, not only went undefeated, they were also unscored on for the entire season.
0: That is true, and I'm glad you mentioned. It. I can't believe I forgot that my uh, dad would kill me. Uh, That's exactly <laughs> right. <laughs> they gave everyone goose eggs for the entire season, playoffs, and championship.
1: And, and they, you know, and it's sort of a it, you know, if you enjoy the sort of sports metaphors, you'll enjoy Chad's book because he sort of uses that throughout the book as a, a sort of thread to tie his framework together as he goes through it. So I I, I found it. Uh, I enjoy the sports metaphor, so I sort of enjoyed uh, uh, going through your book and, and and hearing some about that, and and uh, you know it was a, it, you know that was that was a good story as well. So you talked to us, you, you talk to us about uh, your your uh, your star methodology with the the standards and um, teamwork and being able to adapt and making sure that things are relevant. You know, a, lot of, you know, a lot of the folks that listen, listen to the Entrepreneur Exchange are entrepreneurs or starting a business or thinking about starting a business, and, and often when you're in that situation, you don't have a big team. Sometimes you're the team. Sometimes it's just a small team. So right. is, is there a way that this structure can be adapted to, to small businesses and, and new businesses and entrepreneurs that have, have small teams?
0: I believe so. Let's say, for instance, even if you don't have a team, even if it's just team you, okay? First thing you want to do in in your business is set a standard for yourself. What are you setting out to accomplish? When do you plan to accomplish it? It's it's almost like smart goals. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So as an entrepreneur, if you're a team of one, day one, go in, understanding what it is you're trying to accomplish or setting out to do, how you plan to do it. How long you feel it's going to take to get it done and then the steps or the processes to do it. So you're setting standards for yourself. Teamwork usually is going to be team you. uh, But if you have clients, your clients can be part of your team because you need to make sure that you and your clients are on the same page. They know what to expect from you. They know when to expect it from you. And they know what kind of quality of service they should be be, uh, getting or expecting. So in a sense, that's teamwork in itself adapting, well, I mean, you can have a team of 10, 20 or 100 or one, but you still have to learn to adapt. The customer may want to change something on the fly during the process. Mm-hmm. you got to adapt. You know what I mean? So, I agree. and I'm then relevance, you. of course, uh, again, a team of 10, 20 or 100 or one, whatever you're setting out to do that day, you need to make a plan. And that plan needs to be focused on obtaining the goal for that day or that week or that month. And you need to stay disciplined on that plan until you uh, achieve the goal. So yes, this methodology can work for a team of one or a team of many. Well, and, and but, I think one thing I think that you you said
1: that I that resonates with me is um, you know if, if you're in startup mode and whether it's team you or a, a small team, uh, embracing your customers and your whether it be your suppliers, but but creating that network and really trying to treat them as. As a team, and, and make them part of your team, so that they're going to want to come back and, and exactly. be ongoing customers. I think your framework fits very well in terms of making sure that you're able to adapt to their needs, making sure that you understand. You're, you know, you're, you're setting a standard for yourself, but you better set a standard that meets and exceeds your customers' expectations, and exactly. and and making sure that it's relevant to them. I think that's all. All plays into. Uh, customer, suppliers, and 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 bringing you in there. So.
0: Yeah, the, the the whole methodology is 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 built to create a, a a a better trust, if I can say that, between the team itself and the leader. But at the same time, again, if it's team you to build that same trust and respect between you and your cl- your customer or your client, because of course you want them to come back, you want repeating customers. So
1: so now. You know, I guess one of the challenges that a new business faces, what an entrepreneur faces, is that, uh, uh, you know, it, it sort of goes back to one of these metrics we were talking about of of, uh, of the flow and uh, trying to spend time between working in your business and working on your business. And, um, you know, what are your thoughts on an entrepreneur's role from the, the 30,000 feet range when they're looking big picture, uh, versus the time that they have to spend hands-on with their business? How, how, how do you address that when you talk to people?
0: You know, that, that, that's a very tough issue, especially being an entrepreneur and you're being the only one at that time because you have to do everything. You have to do the marketing. You have to create the material. You have to do the research. You have to make sure your your finance, your back end is, is, is set up and it's correct. So there are a lot of things that come into play as an entrepreneur when you're just a team of one. So with, with that being said, every day, again, you have to put a plan together and say, OK, well, today I'm going to work on content or Tomorrow, I'm going to work on marketing or the next day I'm going to work on, you know, whatever. So a lot of that really deals with your discipline as an entrepreneur and your planning and what you're trying to get done. And and, and again, as being a team of one, you have to split those things up. You have to be very creative um, in what you're trying to get accomplished and how you're trying to do it.
2: But also kind of ties us back into our article and working with other people and getting those resources to help you and then managing how you're going to go about getting their information.
1: Well, I, I know one of the struggles that when, when Gary and I work with folks that are in startup mode and they, and they get to a point where they're starting to build their team and, and adding people, there are a lot of folks that have started a business that, are, are, that, that face a challenge in letting go of things and delegating things and, and really creating a working team. You know, have, have when when you work with various companies and, and talk to people, how do you how do you work with them to to better delegate and and utilize
0: the the players that they've got on their bench? The first thing I do is sit them down, especially if they have a small team. And what I'll do is I'll ask them simple questions. Okay, you have, let's say for instance, John. What does John do? Well, John is in charge of my accounting and finance. Okay, I said, okay, well, what does Bill do? Bill is in charge of my marketing. I said, well, can I ask you a question? And they'll say, yeah. I said, why don't you let them do what you pay them to do? You can't do it all. It's just like, again, if you're a team of one. Um, if I'm in accounting, I don't know anything about websites. I don't know anything about marketing. Mm-hmm. So you have to get out and network and work with people. Hey, I need a website. Can you help me? Mm-hmm. You know, hey, I need to work on my marketing. Can you help me? And allow them to do what their, their expertise is to help you become better. I, I've run into a lot of entrepreneurs that won't. That want to hold everything, but they don't get anywhere fast. And you have to coach them into understanding that in order to get to where you need to be, there are other people and expertise that you don't have that you need to utilize. Mm-hmm. I, I would think that a common theme that you probably
1: have to to push with folks is is communication. In that, uh, you know, when they're working on whether it be delegating or uh, you know working within the framework that you've talked about of of uh, setting standards and being able to adapt, making sure things are relevant, that the whole communication issue got to be very, very important to everybody.
0: That's true. It, it goes back to setting the standard. You know what I mean? When, you, when you're bringing people in to work with you uh, or, or you have a team of your own, it's very important. And also, it's important for the leader to understand that they need to be specific about the roles that each team member is playing. Mm-hmm. Because one of the concerns or issues that you have is, Sometimes team members overlap each other and what they're doing and that can cause friction or frustration. Mm-hmm. And then you sometimes you have team members that don't really understand their entire role in their in, in their job. Right. And and you know, I read a poll about that. It's like eighty-five percent of people out there don't fully understand their entire job responsibility. And the worst part about it is if you interview the manager, he or she doesn't know their employees' entire roles and responsibilities. So there's a gap in a huge gap in communication that that needs to be addressed. So, going back to what you were asking, it, it's very important that if, even if you have a team or you're contracting somebody out, it's very important that you make sure crystal clear what to expect from them and what they need to do for you. Well, and, and I I think
1: that that we probably see it from both ends. In that when you're when you're starting a business, everything is happening so quickly, and you you bring right. people in you. you you probably often assume that they know what they're supposed to do or they can see what they're supposed to be doing and i don't have that much time so i'm sure you'll get it done and you don't really take the time to to create expectations and set standards and and, but but, you know gary and i work at a a, an institution that's got a lot of people and, and you know communication is good but but you really have to work hard at it. You know, it, you know, sure. people, people. You, know, you cannot take it for granted. And uh, you know, whether that's uh, the president of the college getting up in front of uh, everybody each semester and, and sharing information, or uh, using newsletters or email or, or
2: whatnot, it's really something that's a continual, a continual process. I think communication is critical. I mean, it's almost it so is. obvious to say, but and it's a challenge, just like you're talking about. You- you can push hard and we need as leaders and managers to push hard to communicate to all of our folks uh, that are working with us and also related to us to make us successful. But we really need to work hard if we have folks working with us that aren't comfortable communicating or would like to just kind of do their job. You have to work hard with them to make sure that they know that it's important that you know what's going on and other people do so that there's good coordination. And yeah, we work for a, pretty large organization with a lot of diverse uh, responsibilities and getting that communication between departments and programs is a challenge. And the better we do, the better we're going to be from a success standpoint.
0: You know, what? I totally agree. And a lot of leaders that I coach and I deal with, I talk to, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but it's called the DISC system. And Mm -hmm. basically what it is, it's a test that everyone takes, and it allows you to see what type of communicator you are. Some people just want the bottom line. And then you've got some people that want all the specifics, all the details. And then you got people like me who are like think tanks. we got the big picture. We just don't like to get involved in the details. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you have, uh, I can't remember what the last one was, but it's pretty much just it's like, just give it to me and I'll go with it. Mm-hmm. So understanding the type of person that you're communicating to really helps how you put your information together.
2: Well, there's not one solution for anything, and that's you have to know your people and the people you're working with. So you give them the right information or you're just dealing with them in the right manner because some people just – like it different than well, other it co- people
1: it comes back to the adaptability that uh is, is in chad's book right. of, of the, the you know, I, I always think if you're a good manager or communicator you're you're probably adjusting your style a bit to your not necessarily your message but your style to your audience uh, so that they it's going to have the best chance for being received well, i think we
0: exactly we, we know Does over the, the time
2: p- that you have to do that because you have to make sure you're communicating so that person's going to understand what you're trying to do trying to get it across exactly. to them.
1: So, Chad, uh, you know, when you're working with folks, you know, what what common mistakes do you see with uh, going on with businesses and any suggestions you've got that uh, can help our listeners avoid some of those mistakes?
0: I think the most common thing that I see with a lot of uh, businesses is their leadership is pretty much, uh, I don't want to say firm, but just almost like it's cold or calculated. There's no warmth behind it. I talk to leaders all the time about their leadership and it being life-giving, life-bringing. You, you as a leader, not only do you have to worry about crossing the T's and dotting the I's, but you have to bring life into your environment because an environment that's successful is an environment that's happy and relaxed and they feel comfortable with their leadership and they feel like they're in the know of what's going on and what's being expected of them. So that's one of the barriers that I work with a lot of leaders to try to break and it's not a... Sometimes you see an ivory tower type situation where you bark the commands and they just do it. Mm-hmm. When you see when you see <laughs> when you see situations like that, pay close attention to the turnover rate. And I guarantee you, it's probably you know medium to high because we're human beings and it's our nature to want to belong, mm-hmm. you know, and to feel a part of something.
1: So so sort of uh, making sure there's some empathy in uh, in your leadership style.
0: That's true. That, that That's true. And, and it really works. I know some leaders said, Chad, that's too mushy, but I'm <laughs> telling you, it works. When you want to get the most out of your employees, if you want maximum productivity, you have to show someone that you care and that you understand and you find a way to um, give them what they need so that they can give you what you need. Real quick, I read an article about the CEO for Southwest Airlines years back, uh, shortly after 9-11 hit. Mm-hmm. And out of all the airlines, they were the only one that was consistently growing. They never laid anybody off. They never jacked up their prices. And so the CEO was being interviewed and they were were asking the CEO, what's so different about you guys than everybody else who's jacking up prices and laying people off? He said, well, for us it's simple. We don't worry about the customers. And so I guess you can imagine the interviewer is like, what? He said, no, we don't worry about the customers. We take care of our employees and our employees take care of our customers. And I'm like, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. Because when you work for someone that you feel like cares about you and your well-being, gives you what you need because you're on the front line. So when you're going to them with situations, concerns and complaints and they're responding, okay, this is what we figured out we do to help you guys. Now they feel like they're being heard. They feel like they're part of something bigger. So now they come to work, they're happy because their senior management is behind them. Mm-hmm. So they pass that happiness and great customer service on to the customers consistently.
2: Makes sense. It, it's so obvious that some people don't do it. But, I mean, if you've, you're you working with people that care about you or uh, know that you have their best interests at heart, you're going to give more than you would otherwise. I mean, it's just pretty I straightforward. Did. So, so, Chad, I think that you're now
1: working on a new book uh, that I think you said, The Other Side of the Coin, Benefits of Vitality Leadership. What sort of areas are you getting into w- w- with this book and, and what, what sort of findings are, are out there that you're going to be sharing with us in the
0: future? Well, what I'm noticing is that a lot of people are not talking about the other side of leadership. There's the functionality side, which is what we've been taught most of our lives. Crossing the T's, dotting the I's. What a leader should do, what they shouldn't do. What are the characteristics of a great leader? Things of that nature. There are plenty of articles and documents about that. But nobody talks about the intangible side, the vitality side. And that's the side we were just discussing, about a leader coming into an environment or a team and bringing life into that team or that environment. You know, leaders really need to get more involved with their teams. I'm not saying that you have to be a psych, (laughs) you know that you have to that you have to be a psychiatrist for your team. but what I am saying is that you really need to get a pulse on your team and, and who they are and what they want. You may have someone on your team that wants to advance. So it's like you bring them in it's like you know what you want to go this level I'm gonna do what I can to help you. People want to belong and they want to feel like they're important. And when you when you give that to your team, I promise you, you will get more productivity from your team than you've ever seen before, and it will be on a consistent basis. Mm-hmm. Now, the benefits that I talk about from the book, I'm talking about fun, flexibility, freedom, and fulfillment. These are things that you can get out of being a, a, a vital leader. These are things that you can get when you pour into your team and you help your team get to where they need to be. So so now when are we going to be able to get this book? <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> I, I need to give it to my boss. You know, I, I gotta, <laughs> hey, 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 hey.
0: Well, um, it shouldn't be too much longer. I just finished up print, so I'm working on the cover. So, I'm really looking at maybe, uh, honestly, I'm trying to push for another week or so. So, oh, I'll okay. definitely let you guys know. All right. Fantastic. Well, we,
1: we, we need to know. I mean, Christmas is coming, man. That's Come right. on. Yeah, I, I, so. Um, yeah, you know, and every time I get uh, my boss a bottle of scotch, he tells me he doesn't drink. So I'm looking for something else. So <laughs> at the beginning of every semester makes me think harder about it. Okay. Uh, Chad, any other suggestions that you want to leave us with that, uh, for, for startups and new businesses?
0: The only thing I can tell the, the, the startups and new businesses is to, to just hang in there, take one day at a time, be disciplined, and understand your why. Before you get into it, understand your Why? Why is it that you want to do what you do? Because there are going to be some days where you don't want to do it. And that why has to be strong enough to push you on those days that you don't want to do it. So before you embark upon any entrepreneurial situation, really sit back and think about your why. And make sure it's well worth the time, the effort, the sacrifice, the resources, and the finances to do what you want to do. And don't let anybody tell you no. (laughs) Well, I think that's pretty darn
1: good advice. Uh, We very much appreciate you spending some time with us today. If people want to find you, Chad Bumgarner, where should they be looking on the internet?
0: Well, they can go to my webpage at www.chadbumgarner.co not com, but .co. Okay. And also on Twitter, uh, you can find me. uh, I think it's at Chad underscore Bumgarner. Okay.
1: Well. that's where we want you to go uh, check out uh, Chad. You can, I think you can buy uh, Chad's uh, playbook to effective leadership out there and learn about Star University and see some of the things that he's been up to. So, Chad, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, we look forward to seeing your new book in the near future and, um, and keeping in touch with you.
0: Thank you guys for having me. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks,
1: Chad. We appreciate you. All right. We always wind up uh, our entrepreneur exchange with uh, some small businesses that we've come across each month. And, uh, Gary, what uh, small
2: business are you going to highlight uh, today? Well, my small business for the month is another clever idea made good and has made people feel much more comfortable late at night. Is that a good tease? No. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> okay. The name of my business is Lumabowl, which is a toilet – Nightlight, it's something that many of us that drink 32-ounce Cokes at 9 o'clock can understand the benefits of. Okay. See, Chad's or I can mm-hmm. hear him, understanding the benefits of this mm-hmm. product. Matt it's Alexander huge. and his brother-in-law, Michael, invented this product, which is motion-activated. They've raised close to $100,000 in a Kickstarter campaign. As they say, it was kind of a shot-in-the-dark mm-hmm. smile. Uh, then earlier this year, they pitched the idea on Shark Tank, And they made a deal with Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, where he gave them $100,000 for 25% of his business. Some people affectionately referred to this episode as the toilet tank. The
1: toilet tank, okay.
2: They say their priorities are number one and number two. How Um, am I doing so far?
1: Okay, yeah, we... we, All
2: right. (laughs) They've had a lot of success with online sales, and they're partnering with Bed Bath & Beyond... To roll it out nationwide. No pun on the roll it out either. Uh, <laughs> um, you put it in your toilet, it's very easy. I've watched demonstrations, you know, I'm not very good mechanical, but I know I could do it. All you need are three AAA batteries. I get three, no, excuse me, eight colors come with this toilet bowl nightlight. And I'm looking forward to giving it to Tammy as a Christmas present. I think she'll be very excited. Well, that's that's
1: that's great. Uh, good good news there. Yeah, I, as you're as you're you're telling about this, I'm just thinking we need to make sure that we get the Mesh House band in here next next time to you know add a few drum rolls and yeah, and, yeah that's right. And we need a little bit of sound effect hand. noise. We'll we'll talk to our friends at the Mesh about this. <laughs> okay. Um, the small business that I'm highlighting, uh, I actually read about this past weekend in in the Charlotte Observer. It's a company called Carpe Lotion. So have you ever suffered from sweaty hands? Yes. You know, maybe it's the big meeting or the presentation that you have to make. Or the podcast. Or the, you know, I'm, yeah. (laughs) We (laughs) Yeah, we, we, I know you get stressed about that. You know, or maybe you have a special date with your, with your lovely wife and you want to make sure everything's
2: looking perfect, but. uh, When I hand her the aluminum bowl.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're, You're a hopeless romantic. Well, two rising seniors, one from UNC Chapel Hill, one from Duke University named Casper Kubica and David Spratt developed a product called Carpe Lotion, which has an unpronounced active ingredient, uh, unpronounced by me, I'm (laughs) sure they can pronounce it, which stops sweat at the source by plugging sweat glands. They started with funding from a Durham, North Carolina investment firm called Bootstrap Advisors, and they launched in July 2015 with Carpe Antiperspirant Hand Lotion, which they sold about $100,000 worth of it during the first six months. It sells yeah. for fourteen ninety five dollars 95 for a, a, a tube of their product. Last month, they launched a new product called Carpe Antiperspirant Foot Lotion uh, because of, they were getting a lot of foot yeah, feedback of, 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 you know, got, yep. got a sweaty foot issue, you know, which, which I might suffer more from. Uh, and they're now looking, they're, they're trending now toward a half a million dollars in annual sales. So in addition to online sales, their product is being sold at some independent pharmacies, men's clothing stores, athletic stores. And beginning this fall, they're going to be in 200 Harris Teeter grocery stores around uh, North Carolina. And to me, the most amazing part of this is that students from UNC and Duke can work together to accomplish something. Well, you know,
2: I was going to interrupt you when you made that comment. I almost got choked up. Yeah, well, anyway. If you want to find out more
1: about their business, you can go to www.carpelotion.com. at C-A-R-P-E-L-O-T-I-O-N, carpelotion.com. And you can buy it online or you can look in stores and just learn more about their business. But uh, you know, I guess I have a soft spot for college students who come up with an idea, get some funding, and are, are working it, making it work. So uh, congratulations to them, and uh,
2: you can check them out this has been an exciting podcast talking to chad one of our alumni and then i have two new christmas presents for tammy there you go
1: there <laughs> anyway
2: well we want to thank we want to thank chad again for joining us and uh,
1: as you said you can check him out at www.chadbumgarner.co not com but dot co and uh we want to give our thanks to the mesh and the the Check out all the podcasts on The Mesh Network at uh, TheMesh.tv, and you can subscribe at iTunes. And if you have an idea for a small business of the month, please send it to us at eexchange@themesh.tv. at TheMesh.tv. And if we use your idea on our podcast, we'll send you our, our prize pack. So, anyway, Gary... Enjoyed it. Chad, enjoyed, enjoyed it. G- uh, always. We, you know, we Enjoyed it as well. Thank you. We, uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, keep on trucking, and we'll look forward to talking to you again next month.
2: Take care.